Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Beautiful music, heavenly. All right, heavenly. Thank you, Miss Finger. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Book of Joel as we look at the Lord's message of hope and 
restoration. Joel chapter 2. And we've been looking at uh, this book in the Old Testament, the book of Joel, where the, uh, the prophet speaks to a condition in the nation of Israel, and very specifically Judah, the tribe of Judah, the city of Jerusalem, where they had experienced a a devastating swarm of well, several swarms of, of locusts that came through and, and just devastated the vegetation, eating, eating everything in its path and, and leaving, leaving nothing behind. To the point that there weren't even enough, um, there wasn't enough vegetation, wheat, barley, and the various grains that the Israelites would bring for their offering worship. And the question was asked, has anything like this happened in, in your time? And we asked that same question about the, the pandemic. You know, has anything happened like this in, in our time? And certainly we had, uh, there was a while back, we had, what was it, the swine flu and, and all those, those different things. And uh, there was the, um, the outbreak of, of AIDS, although I think AIDS has been around for, for <coughs> quite some time, but it is still epidemic in many other countries around uh, the world. And yet it seems that um, with every new disease and then a new treatment, um, an, another disease comes along. And you have to wonder how many more? What's, what's next? What's next? Because as you look back over history, you see that, that these things don't stop from happening. And one is, is worse than the previous. And now I just heard that uh, there's a I think that they call it the Delta variant uh, of the COVID that especially in the third world countries is uh, spreading more rapidly and I, I think more deadly than the original COVID-19 virus. And the World uh, Health Organization is calling upon the, the wealthier nations, the, the US and, and European nations to share and make available the vaccines, which, uh, which we ought to do. Uh, we, ought to, uh, we ought to be um, doing our, our human level best to, to help the rest uh, of the world. But it makes, uh, it makes you wonder, how much longer? How much longer? You know, the Bible teaches and we mentioned this the last couple of weeks, that judgment is coming. And it's not a popular message by, by you know, stretch of the imagination. People do not like to hear about judgment. We don't like to hear about accountability. And just this morning, Cheryl and I were 
that we pulled out of our the neighborhood and we were driving down the, the street, just maybe, you know, 50 feet, if that. And you could tell the light, you know, had turned yellow and then to red. And this guy was in the middle lane. And I don't know how fast he was driving, probably 60, 70, maybe, maybe even faster than that. Had no intention whatsoever of stopping. So the light turned red, and he just plowed right on through it. I mean, it turned red while he was still, you know, behind us. But I could, I could see he was, he was just going to just go right through that light, and he went right through that red light. And there's another light down, further down, and he ran that red light through. And I thought, man, if the people who were turning left, you know, from the other direction, had they not stayed in place, it would have been a horrendous, horrendous accident. And then I learned yesterday about some guy that, I think this happened in Chicago. You know, he's some brave guy who uh, walked up behind a police officer, shot him in the back of the head. Just because uh, police officers are evil. Right? Because there's this uh, systemic racism and something has to be done about it. The lie of the devil. The United States used to be the example of law and order. And what has it become? And I was just thinking, you know, just a few months ago, you would regularly hear that song, Lee Greenwood, proud to be an American, right? Where at least I know I'm free. I wonder if we'll, will we hear that? over the course of the next few months and years? Because there are those who, who want you to believe that, no, I'm, uh, you know, being an American is, is not something to be proud of. That, too, is wrong. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to have been born in the, the United States of America. But, but the United States of America does have a responsibility to be an example for good to the rest of the world. But there are groups that are that are undermining that. And remember that the destroyer, as we studied in Sunday school this morning, Abaddon, that word for destruction or for the destroyer, is the devil. It's the 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 evil one. He seeks to destroy. He always seeks to undermine and destroy. And here in the second chapter in the book of Joel, we're going to be looking at a portion here. It's the second call to blow the trumpet. Verse 15, as we read. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, 
Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? You know, when you consider the nation of Israel, and the U.S. really is, 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 is like Israel in so many respects. A nation that came about because people desired to worship God according to the dictates of their conscience as consistent with God's holy word. That's why they left Europe. Because the government had so encroached upon their lives that it was now telling them how they were to live and how they were to express their faith in God. The government had taken control over the church. And so they left. And they came to this land. And we've said many times that our, our laws were founded upon the truth that comes from Scripture. The Constitution is based upon more than 1,500 passages of Scripture. Most people are completely and totally unaware of that. And of the 56, was it 56 signers? Of the, of the founding documents, half of them, half of them were pastors. Most people don't know that either. Theologians, preachers. But you see, Israel and the warning, that initial sounding of the trumpet that we read last week, was to warn the people that, that an invading army was coming, and they were going to be like those locusts that left nothing in their way. They wiped it out, devastated. And this, this, this army from the north, is it's referred to as the northerner. Now there are some scholars who believe that, it, that he's just talking about locusts, but no. But like these locusts, this northern army is coming. And did you know, most, most people are, are unaware of this, that in World War II, that Hitler, and he had sent, uh, I believe it was Rommel, down into Africa, that they were in, in uh, communication with many of the Muslim countries, the Arab countries, because they were, they were planning concentration camps in the Middle East for the Jews, and their, their goal was to overrun the land of Israel, Palestine, which is Israel, because their desire was to eradicate the Jewish people completely, because The devil is the destroyer. 
And the devil hates Israel. The devil hates the church. The devil is the destroyer. And the devil hates the United States of America. And will seek to do everything in his power to destroy. One of the most dangerous methods that's used is to speak something that has a hint of truth to it and to dress it up and we, 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 we discussed that on Wednesday night you dress it up and you make it look real attractive and then when you get people to buy into that then you're able to delude them or to, to deceive them and that is what's going on in the United States today and sadly sadly the politicians who are supposed to be leading the country you know that in the scripture politicians are referred to as shepherds I don't know if you if you realize that shepherds they're referred to as shepherds they're supposed to shepherd the people that is they're supposed to lead the people and guide the people in being devoted to righteousness and you see the kings quickly after after Solomon left you know when he passed away and and, and his son came came to uh, to power as, as king the kingdom was then divided and and the reason it was divided was because Solomon sinned against the Lord because he did what he wasn't supposed to do he violated God's standard. He took all these wives and all these foreign wives and they turned his heart against the Lord. And he left off from serving the Lord in righteousness. Sadly, tragically. But God is faithful and he, and he, he, he even mentioned, he said, that he had, he had promised that Solomon's reign would be one of peace. And God said that he would not he would not go back on his word. And so the reign of Solomon was one of peace. But that the judgment would come after he was no longer king. And it happened. And Israel was divided in two. The northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom Judah. And sadly, all through, through Israel's history, it would, have, it would have one godly king who would then be, be replaced by several wicked kings. And they're referred to as shepherds. And they would lead God's people away from the covenant that God had made with Israel. And because of their, their refusal to live in harmony with the covenant, God would send them prophet after prophet after prophet to warn them of the coming judgment, which we, we discussed. Not because God wanted to destroy, but rather because God wanted to deliver. You follow? He wanted to, to heal. He wanted to restore, and that's what we're, we're going to look at here today, the Lord's message of hope and restoration. 
But when we read the scripture, we should learn from the past. Uh, you, you hear people say, we should learn from history, should we not? And if the United States is a nation similar to, to Israel in that our laws are based upon God's word, and we are the largest Christian nation, and I believe we send out more missionaries throughout the world to proclaim the message. We also bear responsibility to ensure that our nation and we as individuals are living lives that are honoring God. So the call goes out, blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet in Zion. And that, that trumpet blow, notice, is calling the people to worship. The first call was prepare for battle. Why? Because God is sending his army. He sent the locusts. And now he's going to send an army. I'm going to give you two fancy words here, all right? One is apocalyptic. The other is eschatological. <laughs> Eschatology is the study of the last days or the end times. Apocalyptic has to do with the unveiling, prophetic um, future events, etc. The unveiling or the making known. And so the book of Joel is both apocalyptic as well as eschatological. And it, it also is historical because it, he describes something that happened in history. But we've said it's relevant. It was relevant then and it's relevant today because God's word is timeless and his message is timeless. And you know that the, 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 the Israelites were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. But they were also invaded by the Assyrians. And the scripture, the scripture teaches that, that God sent the Assyrians, but the Assyrians went too far. Why? Because, again, like the devil, they sought to destroy. And in the end, God destroyed them. But blow the trumpet, call the people, Call the people to a consecrated fast. That is the giving up of, of food, the giving up of, of pleasure. The genuine, genuine grief. Call a sacred assembly. And this assembly is sacred, blessed. God's people are called to be holy. And that word holy means set apart. We are separated from those who reject God. Now, it doesn't mean that God loves us more than he loves them. No, he loves all people. You must understand, God loves all people. But those who dedicate their lives to him, those who have, have accepted him as their Lord, as their God, as their Savior, we are in a privileged position and we are separated. Jesus put it this way, in the end, God's going to separate the sheep from the goats, right? He knows the difference between the two. But this assembly is a, is a sacred assembly. And it's interesting also because over in the Old Testament, God gave to Moses the requirement that the people celebrate the celebration of first fruits, which is called Pentecost. 
He said, sadly, sadly, most Christians aren't even aware of them. They say, oh, Pentecost, oh, that was the day when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in all those different languages. Yes, that's true. But Peter goes on in the second chapter in the book of Acts, and he goes on and he explains that that was what was said here in the book of Joel, as we'll get to that if we have time. But in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 21, it says, Proclaim a sacred assembly, and on that day do no work. It is a sacred assembly. It is a day of worship. A day of, of, of worshiping and acknowledging God. This was for the entire nation of Israel. Not just for a small little community. If revival is to come to our nation, if, if our nation is to be blessed by God, it must repent. And it must begin with God's people. We must repent. He says, gather the people. Notice, gather the people. That is everyone, old and young, rich, poor, everyone, from all neighborhoods, bow the knee before God, the King. Even, even the newlywed. Even the newlywed. You say, well, why are the newlyweds identified specifically. The newlyweds were given a year off from everything. That's what the Lord taught. Isn't that something? Notice, notice the importance that God places on the marriage. He says that the newlyweds are to be given one year. They're not to be required to work or to serve in the military or to do any of that, so that they can spend time developing their relationship. You tell that to the average person, they say, what, are you nuts? <laughs> he better get out there and get a job, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> but in this particular case, even the newlyweds were to come out and participate in this worship service. Sanctify the congregation. And that's that word again, holy. We're to recognize that we are in a privileged position. God declares us righteous. God has declared us holy. God the Holy Spirit has come and taken his abode. He lives within us and he sanctifies us. And we're to recognize that. We're to acknowledge that. And we're to live consistent with that truth. And then notice, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep. Those who, who represent the people to the Lord and the, and the Lord to the people. Sadly, all across our country, so many denominations that used to be so on fire for the Lord. You know that they too have fallen into all this political nonsense, <coughs> lies. 
and have watered down the truths. It's, it's so, so sad. And yet, we study in other books in the New Testament where, where as we get closer and closer to the Lord's return, there will be the falling away. And you've heard me say this many times, live with your eyes open. Live with your eyes, your spiritual eyes. Jesus would put it this way. He says, let he who has ears, yes, to hear, let him hear. Live aware of the time in which we live and what is going on. When you see these things happening, recognize the time in which we live. Let the priests who minister weep and pray. You know, I, sometimes I, I, I think about my, my grandkids. And what is it going to be like in the United States of America and in the world 10 years from now? What about 20 years from now? What about 30 years from now if we're still here, if the Lord hasn't come? What will life be like? Cheryl was telling me about these two guys over in New York. And uh, they, I guess, ran out of the store or something, and one guy shot at the other guy. Just right out on the street. This just happened the other day. Shot, shot at a guy on the street. So then the other guy shot back. Well, this guy, as he was getting shot back, there was a boy and a girl. A girl, I don't know, you know how old, 12 or 13, something like that, with her little brother, seven or eight years old. They just walked out of the, you know, out of the store themselves. What does the guy do? Yeah, he's, he's real tough, you know, he's, he's real tough. He goes and he runs behind the girl to shield him from the other guy shooting. And, and, and you need to know, this stuff is happening all across the nation, but you won't hear it on the news because it doesn't fit their narrative. And as I mentioned last week, every weekend in Chicago, 10, 20, 30 people are shot. Many are just young kids. And in Baltimore and, and now New York and San Francisco, and these, and, and, and these guys are, they just go into these stores with a shopping cart and a, and a garbage bag and they just start taking stuff off of, the, off of the shelves and they walk right out. And all they do is just take pictures of them on their phone. And if, and if Mike doesn't mind me mentioning this, I was talking with him. Because Mike manages a, a camera store over in, in Caesar's Palace. And uh, he said, no, the, the, basically the corporate position now is they come in and they steal any of that, just let them take it. Because we don't want you getting hurt. We don't want the people getting hurt. And I said, well, what about the security guards? They really can't do it. And you have to wonder, is, is this still America that you're living in? And I didn't realize this, but over there in, what is it, Portland? They still have that thing set up. 
what? What is going on in the United States of America? Well, many years ago when the, um, the French dignitary came to, to study why America was so great back then. He said, I went to the, to the halls of government. I went to all these different places. That, he said, but I didn't find it there. But when I went into America's churches, and I heard the message that the preachers were preaching, then I discovered where the true greatness of America was found. It was found in God. And woe, woe, woe to the preacher who is unwilling to preach the truth of God's word. And woe, woe, woe to the Christian who is unwilling to stand and live according to the truth of God's word. And woe, woe, woe to the nation who turns its back upon the Lord and his word. The ministers are to weep and to pray. Notice what it says again. Let the priests who minister to the Lord, verse 17, weep between the porch and the altar. And remember that the altar was where the sacrifice was made. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your, your heritage to reproach. We've become a reproach. <laughs> the leader of, of Russia and the leader of China, they're laughing at America. They're saying, America is destroying itself. They find it funny. All that's going on here in the U.S., do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? I was watching a, uh, a program the other day um, on Netflix about uh, a school shooting in Israel. And this young lady is in the hospital. And so the doctor is speaking with her. And she's doing her best to encourage this, uh, this young lady, this student, who was one of the victims. And she said, you know, something like this you hear happening in America, but not here. You see, that's, that's the reputation you have around the world. And notice God's response, our second point. God's response to his people when they repent. Because all that is, the, the Lord is calling his people to repent. And we've said our nation must repent. And, and it begins with us, those who are in God's family. Notice what it says, verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. 
His stench will come up, and his foul odor will rise, because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am the, in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Notice that God is zealous for his people. And in, in the context of, of the writing of Joel, in the current time in which it was written, the message was to Israel. If you will repent, if you will, will turn your heart over and submit your life to him, God will forgive. Because he loves you. And for us, and for any nation, any individual who will repent and who will accept God, who will accept the Lord, God says that he will forgive. Turn, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. And verses 6 through 11. Notice, notice what he says. This is God speaking to his people through the prophet. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent. God desires to forgive us. His, his goal for us, his desire for us, is to forgive, to heal, to deliver, to restore, to bless. Now I believe that's, that's his desire for all people and for every nation, because the message is to all nations. And we looked at a passage in the, in the book of Jeremiah where God calls Jeremiah the prophet to the nations. And the message in, in, the, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet, is not just to Israel, but it's also to the Gentile nations. Because 
God is the God of all people. And notice, when we go back here, God answers their prayers. He answers their prayers. Now, I should have had you stay there in, in Isaiah. Let's look at chapter 43. Isaiah 43 and, and verse 22. And notice what the Lord says. But you have not called upon me, O Jacob. Now, you need to understand, when, when you're reading the Old Testament, you remember uh, Jacob, right? Jacob and Esau, the sons of, of Isaac. And you'll recall that, that Jacob had his name changed to Israel. But, but before his name was changed to Israel, Jacob was a deceiver, right? He was not faithful. So sometimes when the Lord refers to Israel, he refers to them as Jacob because they're acting like their father. Jacob, you follow? So he says, but you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have not been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have brought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifice. But you have burdened me with your sins. The people weren't worshiping the Lord like they were supposed to. From genuine hearts of love, they've become a burden. You've wearied me with your iniquities. And then he goes on and says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions from my, for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Notice that. God's desire is to do away with our sin. And now one more passage, Psalm 103. One of my favorite psalms. Psalm of tremendous hope. Psalm 103. 103, we're going to look just at verses 8 through 14. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, some say chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our praise. He remembers that we are but dust. It is not God's desire to destroy, but to forgive, to heal, and to restore. We go back to Joel. He promises deliverance and protection. He promises that, that he's going to destroy that army that comes in and invades Israel, that he's going to deliver Israel. And that's where we get the, both the apocalyptic and the eschatological. Because it's referring not only to a time within Joel or Israel's 
ancient history, but it also looks forward to the end, the end or the latter time. And I mentioned earlier that during World War II, Hitler was basically having discussions with Muslim nations in the Middle East. Well, we also know, and the Bible teaches, that in the latter times, there will be these, these coalitions of, of nations whose goal is to destroy Israel. And you notice, we've mentioned this many times, Israel is always in the news, isn't it? <laughs> and I learned this just yesterday. Did you know that over 40 different nations have, have um, taken control of the land of Palestine, going all the way back in its 3,000 plus year history? And that it's been invaded 18 times, 18 different times. And then, of course, with Hitler. Uh, consider what the hatred of one man can do. The result. And sadly, you know, the, the, the young generation today, they have no idea. And I think of my parents who, who were both born in the Hawaiian Islands and were there when Pearl Harbor was bombed. Uh, can you imagine? You, you wake up or you're, you're, you're playing outside or whatever the case was, and, and you hear bombs going off. You think that, you know, we, people still light off fireworks and such, and wait till next week, right, when they're lighting off all the fireworks. Imagine hearing the bombs and the gunfire and, the, and everything going on and then looking out and seeing what occurred. And we've mentioned 9-11 as well. And, and what happens on the inside. And God promises that he's going to deliver Israel. He's going to deliver Israel. And in that day, Israel is then going to turn to the Lord Jesus. And you, you've heard this many, many times. Now, in Jeremiah, the first chapter, there's an army that comes from the north. In Isaiah 14 and chapter 41, there's a, an army that comes from the north against both the Jews and the Gentiles. And then in Zephaniah, chapter 2, God stretches out his hand against the Assyrians in the north who, who had come against Israel, but their desire was to destroy Israel, and the Lord destroys them. But we also know that in the end times, these northern countries are going to come once again against Israel. And sadly, many of those nations from the Middle East are going to, to enter into cooperation or coalition with nations from Europe, and they're going to come against Israel. Well, let's go to our third point. We'll, we'll, we'll end here. We'll continue on next time. But notice the promises that God gives to Israel. God promises restoration and provision for his people. He renews the land and makes it fruitful. And see, that's where, that's where 
you know that the, the way that God does things, if man had, had created the account in Genesis, man would have been the first creation. You follow? Because man is so self-centered. But, but you see, God renews the land and he makes it fruitful because we need the land, do we not? God created everything that's in existence and he created it so that it would be able to both produce and provide for life. Human life comes from God. All life comes from him. So he renews the land, he makes it fruitful, and then I have his people, animals, and vegetable or vegetation are nourished. But it goes in the opposite direction because, you see, the land becomes fruitful, so vegetation has what it needs to flourish, and then that vegetation provides food and nourishment for both the animals and the people. And then the people are able to live and to live well, because he wants them to, to eat well. I had a dear uh, pastor friend, he used to say, now mind, you know, Jesus ate well, and we ought to do. <laughs> and then he restores what was destroyed and lost. Have you ever had the, the joy of finding something that you thought you had lost? And it really does bring joy to your, to your heart when, when that happens. But he promises to restore what was destroyed. And here, God's people are to praise the Lord for his wonderful love and care. So we're going to end there, and we'll, we'll pick up next time there. But we're going to sing a hymn of, of uh, invitation. But you know, as God's people... We need to repent every day, don't we? <laughs> every day. Every day. And we need to pray for one another every day. And we need to pray for our nation every day. Every day. I want to encourage you to pray for all of the politicians all the time. That's what the Bible says, to pray. To pray for them. Pray that they'll give their hearts to the Lord. Pray that they'll, that they'll wake up. And pray that our nation will repent before God and have a spiritual awakening. So let's stand, please. And maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now is the time to accept Him. Now is the time, as we sing, you come, give your heart to the Lord. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.